It, uh, it's great to be with you this morning. It, it, at least for me personally, it feels like it's, a little, it's been a little bit since I've had the opportunity to share with you on a Sunday morning. And you might be thinking the opposite. You might be thinking, man, Pastor Bennett has not been long enough. Um, but we are, we're jumping in to uh, our Crucial Conversation sermon series, and I'm, ex- I'm excited to be here with you this morning to kind of kick this off. Um, I joked with the worship team, the beauty about starting a series is um, you kind of you set the tone a little bit, so if I maybe send it in a little bit different direction than Pastor Kevin intended, well, he's just going to have to pick up the pieces later, um, and that will just be his burden to bear. But I think this is, uh, I think and I hope that this is going to be a thought-provoking and challenging journey throughout the month. And the point is this, conversations hold more weight than you and I can kind of comprehend. There's more importance in the conversations that we have with one another, the conversations that we have with the people at the bank or our coworkers or our children. Um, there's more weight on those than we even realize. And put simply, the world can be turned on end with one conversation. Think about that for a second. The world, your world, the world of your family can be flipped upside down with one conversation, whether positively or negatively. It can happen both ways. Now, it's especially easy for us to take conversations for granted in today's day and age. I will be the first to admit that it is easy to to not value a conversation in today's day and age. It requires less intentionality than ever before. If I want to have a conversation with someone, I take out my cell phone or I could take out my iPad that's right in front of me and I could send them a text and I could begin a conversation. And it literally would not take any effort from me at all. If I'm sitting on the couch watching football, I barely have to look away from the screen and I can, I can begin a conversation with somebody. It used to be, that if you wanted to have a conversation with someone, if you wanted to talk with someone, you would, you'd talk to them at church, or, or you, had to, you had to pick up a phone that was attached to the wall, and you had to dial this number that you probably had memorized, and if you didn't have memorized, you picked up this big yellow book, and you, you went through all the Thompsons, and you found that one that you're trying to call, and, and then you, you inadvertently you call the wrong person and and it's just this whole it's a great way to make friends okay um but if you wanted to have a conversation with someone you had to go out of your way to do it you had to stop by their house you had to you had to visit them at work you had to set something up you send them an email or a letter or whatever whatever you have to do you had to go out of your way to do it but now it literally takes no effort whatsoever Conversations can happen in seemingly endless ways. They can happen while you're at work. They can happen while we're driving. They can happen when we should be studying. Um, You can have a conversation in the middle of a conversation that you're ignoring. Uh, If you have kids, you know what this is about, right? You're talking to them and you're saying, listen, I need you to do this, do this, and they're just looking at their phone and they are ignoring the conversation that is immediately in front of them, meanwhile having another one probably complaining about how you're making them clean their room or something like that. So we, and, and just kids, that's not multitasking. That's just being rude, okay? Um, it's not multitasking. Um, but we, we have the ability to carry these conversations on wherever we are in a moment with someone across the world, and it is pretty incredible, but it also makes us take them for granted. 
They happen on the phone, they happen through text messages, on Facebook, this thing, like I, said, I mentioned earlier, called email that's you know, sort of working its way backwards. Um, and then uh, there's all these different social media apps. Like, I'm, I don't think I'm that old, but I know nothing about um, anything besides like Facebook, Twitter, and, and Instagram. Like, I know Snapchat's a thing, but I don't use it. So like, there's all these things that these kids are now communicating on uh, in different ways, and there's so many options that you can carry on a conversation with people. Those conversations can be direct, they can be indirect, they can be passive-aggressive, they can be veiled in judgment, or take place literally only using emojis, okay? <laughs> Um, I love a good emoji, uh, like, a, like a response, especially if I'm kind of preoccupied in something. Um, and I have a couple that I really enjoy, but now since we have a newborn at home, uh, a more frequently used emoji is the poop emoji. Um, it's just, it's straight and to the point, very descriptive. Um, but I, I, I found some examples of, of young people who had entire conversations just using emojis. Just thumbs up and fire emojis and, you know, I like, for me, I can't deal with that because it's too much interpretation. There's enough left unsaid with text messages and then you just do smiles. Um, it's too confusing. But there's a million ways for us to communicate. And then in the very rarest of circumstances, a conversation can happen face-to-face -face involving no technology whatsoever. That can actually happen, okay? It's real. And like I said, if, you are, uh, if you're a time traveler, you go back and uh, you send letters, which is pretty great, actually. It, it means a lot if you receive a letter because that person had to sit down, spend time. They got a hand cramp um, and just to tell you how much that you mean to them. And I'm kind of like in the middle of the pack, okay? I find myself in the middle of all of those perspectives. I don't really have an interest in communicating more than I have to on social media. Facebook is the easy one because most everyone has Facebook. Um, but I don't, like I have people who if they want to just send me an encouraging note, which I appreciate, they'll do it on Instagram and I'll see it like six weeks later. Um, I just don't, like I don't operate that way. But um, I also get caught off guard when my phone rings, okay? If my phone rings, I'm thinking, who died? Who died and why are they calling me um, because of this, right? Especially when it's a, a, phone, a phone call that could have been a text message. Texting is like my sweet spot. Um, that's where I operate best, I feel like. But uh, in fact, outside of a few people that I would expect to get phone calls, my wife, uh, my parents, my brother, uh, people like Kay or friends, if, if my phone rings nine times out of ten, I'm assuming that something's wrong. Now, maybe that's just because I'm skeptical and um, I'm pessimistic at times, but it's just kind of where I find myself. So there's these conversations that take place in our lives every day, no matter how they happen, and these conversations could, in fact, be life-altering. They could be life-altering for me, or they could be life-altering for you or the person that we're speaking with. And it's fair to say that we can take them for granted. I do this every single time I speak. I have a, a definition that I want to establish because I want to make sure we're on the same page. And this one is kind of, it, it kind of made me laugh a little bit. So we're talking about crucial conversations. Crucial means involving an extremely important decision or result. Okay, awesome. That's what crucial means. Involving an extremely important decision or result. 
And then we have conversation, which is defined as an informal exchange of thoughts or information. And when you combine those together, it's kind of an oxymoron. Okay, it's kind of an oxymoron. It's involving an extremely important decision, but it's informal in the way that it's done. Think about that for a second. If it's crucial, it's ultra important, but if it's a conversation, it can be done informally. It can be done at work. It can be done on the phone while you're on your way home. It can be done while your neighbor's mowing the, the grass and you can't even hear what you're saying. He's just being polite. Conversations can happen all over the place. And you and I, we know that there's power in our words. There's power in what we say. Um, I, try to, I try to instill this in our, our switch students all the time, and if you're a parent, I think you probably, hopefully are doing the exact same thing, that there's power in what we say. It's not a secret. But our conversations are a culmination of a whole bunch of those words that are really important and, and, uh, and really informal, Conversation is a bunch of those, and those can be really, really beneficial, or they can be really, really, really dangerous. Conversations carry a lot of weight. Paul tells us in, in Colossians 4, 6, he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We have some instruction about conversation. Now here's the thing, of all the crucial conversations that you and I have every single day throughout eternity, I, what I believe is the very most crucial conversation for you and I that ever took place in the universe was actually one of the first conversations that ever happened. And if you've looked in this morning's bulletin and you've seen the, the title today is Eve and the Serpent, you know where we're heading. But I want to take a moment and I want to talk about this. And uh, if you're having a hard time believing that conversations have pretty hefty consequences, we can't even make it past Genesis chapter 3 before a conversation got somebody in trouble. And by default, us as well. All right, so we're going to jump in to Genesis 3. We're going to read through verse 13, so I'm going to move quick, but I want to touch on this here this morning. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from where the tree from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. If you have kids, um, you know this to be true. If you are hiding from someone who you know loves you and only wants the best from you, it's because you did something stupid. Okay? Or you're in the process of doing something that you shouldn't be. That's where they find themselves. They're hiding from God. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Also, God, like parents, asks questions he knows the answers to, just as a little tidbit. 
He answered, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he, meaning God, said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Also, following this crucial conversation, Adam probably had another crucial conversation uh, with Eve, that did not go very well, I would imagine, okay? Guys, you know about those types of things when we point fingers. Verse 13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now, it's a long passage of scripture, but there was a conversation that took place that opened the door that Eve experienced temptation for. And with that conversation, sin entered the world. And right off the bat, the third chapter of the entire Bible, we are in trouble. We're in trouble. And you and I, we're experiencing the effects of that sinful world. We're dealing with that in our own way um, each and every day. And, uh, and that's what we're talking about here this morning. So I have three quick points. Number one is that every conversation involves some risk. Every conversation that you and I have involve some risk. I've shared with uh, my students in Switch uh, a couple different times a little bit about how my wife Amy and I started dating, how we met and, and started dating. And it was, it's almost exactly nine years ago uh, this month is when we started dating. Um, and I have a little picture there. Um, we were just little babies. Aww. Um, aww. She's in the wiggle room, so she can't yell at me. Um, But long story short, I met Amy through a roommate that I had. And one day, I still remember it, I was at home, I was ironing some clothes. I don't do that frequently. I didn't, this, I put this in the dryer and that was it. Um, But I worked at a bank and so we had to, it had to be pressed, we had to have a tie. So I'm at home ironing this shirt and my roommate opens the door and kind of walks into our apartment and he does it in a weird way, like not like, hey, I'm home, it's kind of like, hey. And, and he, he's coming in, kind of making sure everything's okay in the apartment. He said, hey, I, I have somebody with me I want to introduce you to. And in comes Amy. And I had never met Amy. I didn't know her. Um, I'm not sure if I had even kind of heard her name before or not. But they had been out taking pictures. They were both into photography. And they had stumbled. I say stumbled because... I don't think you can stumble into something like this, but they had stumbled into Target Field, which is where the Twins play. Now, at the time, that that stadium, the Minnesota Twins Stadium, was under construction. That's why I say they stumbled into it, and they found themselves inside this construction zone, and they're taking pictures. And so I'm immediately intrigued because I love baseball. I'm excited about the new stadium. And so they start talking to me about this, this little adventure that they have. But my intrigue changed pretty quick from the story to, you know, this, this girl who's there. Um, I'm getting to know. I'm trying to figure out who she is. So fast forward. The very first conversation of any importance, and it was not important at the time, But the very first conversation I really had with Amy, who is now my wife, so you can fill in some dots, um, I had I had gotten a hold of her. I don't even remember how, if I if I called her or what, but I asked her if she wanted to help me pull a prank on my roommate. Okay? And I should have known because she responded immediately. Yes! Like I should have known that it w- she wasn't saying yes to spending time with me. She was saying yes to pulling a prank on my roommate, which later um, her pranking joys came back to bite me personally. Um, but 
The conversation seemed insignificant, but I would be lying to you if I told you I didn't have a little bit of an agenda, right? I wanted to spend time with her. I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to, to, to see who this person was. So our friendship grew, and um, our, I was great friends with her roommate, and so the three of us spent a lot of time together. We would, uh, we'd hang out, um, go out to dinner, whatever it was. And it got to that point where I was ready to, uh, I was happy with our friendship, but I was ready to get rid of the friendship and start a relationship, right? If you have ever dated anyone, you understand that really terrifying moment, especially if you're the one that has to kind of make that, that step. And so... Um, I'm a thinker, I get in my own head, and then I, then I pretty much, I make a rash decision, and it, that's just kind of how it plays out. So I was terrified. I worked late one night. I worked at a hotel. I was a valet. I got home. It was like 11.30 or 12. And at that point in time, um, I had a roommate, Matt, and Amy and her roommate lived in the same building as us upstairs. So I get home, and I thought, I cannot think about this anymore. I've got to, I have to I got to do something. So I texted her, because I'm borderline a millennial, and, um, and I asked her if she'd go on a walk with me, okay? We did not live in an area that was, like, super conducive to late-night walks. It was just, like, kind of really dark. And um, she, she told me later that immediately she knew something was up, because they always know, don't they, guys? They always know. And so she came down, and she met me, we went for a walk. She told me later she, was in, she had already been in bed, and so I, I didn't make any sense to me. But she, we go on this walk, and we're in this like, little park area that, again, it's pitch black. It's kind of creepy um, on my part. <laughs> but I told her how I felt, and I asked her out on a date. Again, just that, you know, just kind of threw it up all over. Okay, that's my, that's my jam. Um, so... I, I say this to illustrate that every conversation involves a little risk. In this instance, the risk was my relationship, my friendship with Amy, someone I cared deeply about. We had a great relationship, a great friendship, and this conversation kind of put it in a new perspective, right? And I'm left, I don't know what she's going to say. I don't know what her response is going to be. I don't know, we live in the same building. Are we going to like cross on opposite sides of the hallway afterward? Like, what is going to happen? I don't know. I valued my friendship with her so much, but I took the risk. And again, I told the worship team, I'm not likening my conversation with my wife to that of Amy, or uh, that of Eve and the serpent. Like, I'm not the serpent, okay? Um, I'm not. But we have conversations each and every day that seem insignificant. That first conversation, there was nothing to it. Hey, help me pull a prank on my friend, but a friendship was established. They carry more weight than we could ever know. Conversations with friends can cement or ruin that relationship. Conversations with a, a family member or spouse can open ourselves up to hurt or brokenness. Conversations with that professor that we're hoping will improve our grade probably won't work, and he might even dock a few points for asking. Conversations put us in a position to be left vulnerable. We don't like to feel vulnerable. We don't like to, to feel like we're open to hurt. But at the same time, so much good can come from conversations. Because if there's a risk, there's also a reward. If there's a risk in having a, a conversation in which you're sharing your faith with someone, yes, they might shut you down. They might, um, they might not be receptive to what you're saying, but they could also, it could be exactly what they need to hear in that moment, and all of a sudden, that conversation takes a turn for the better. 
See, Eve didn't realize the implications of her conversation with the serpent. She didn't see the whole picture, and as a result of that conversation, everything changed. And not just for Eve, but for you and I as well. There were eternal consequences from her conversation. She didn't remember the risk or grasp those consequences. What, a, what conversation about God, excuse me, that conversation about God with your coworker or your spouse could be the one where they finally open themselves up to God and what he might want for them. But there's a risk, but even though there's a risk, that reward is greater. We make ourselves vulnerable through our conversations. That point is not ultra spiritual, but I want you to understand that when we look at having crucial conversations, there's risk involved, and sometimes we are the ones who are at risk. So number two, your world can change with a conversation. I still remember Amy's response when I asked her out in that dark park and kind of creepy. Um, I'm paraphrasing, okay? She, she was very gentle, you know. She told me that she cared for me, but not really in the same way, um, you know, and, and she, was, she, was, she was just sensitive about it. Um, and in the midst of it, that was like my worst nightmare. I was like, cool, now she knows. Now our friendship is ruined and I'm alone. Um, But long story short, she agreed to go on a date with me uh, because she's just the, she's just the kindest person that, that I know. And um, I was able to wear her down um, and eventually convince her, not trick her, convince her to marry me. And um, that's, that's where we find ourselves almost seven years later married. Um, but here's, here's where I'm getting at. That conversation changed my world, right? That day that, that I risked something that was valuable to me, it changed my world because after that we started having different conversations and the conversations went to being about marriage and about a future and our life together. When she told me that she was pregnant, that changed our world. I made coffee this morning without a coffee pot under it, okay? So that's where we're at. There is power in, it's a true story. There's power in conversation. And here's the thing. We just celebrated communion, and, and I, I have to, I can't speak on this topic without ignoring the fact that it's easy to forget that I can have a conversation with Chris right now. I can do that. Hi, Chris. We can talk. But sometimes we forget that the most important conversation that we can and should have every single day is a conversation with God. And I think for, for those of us, if, there, if you're here today and you're like, you know what, Pastor Ben, I don't even know what you're talking about, a relationship with God that's so foreign. It can seem intimidating, but literally, Scripture tells us that we can speak to God like we speak to a friend. It's the most crucial conversation that you can ever have in your entire life is the one where you begin a conversation with God and ask him to be part of your life. It's the number one most crucial conversation that you can have. Romans 10.9 lays it out simply. It says, if you declare with your mouth, you talk, we talk, we like to talk, Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Just like there's power in conversation between you and I, I have the ability to encourage you, to lift you up, to point you in the right direction, and I have the ability to tear you down. There's power in the conversation when we take time to talk to God. But here's the the difference. There's no danger, there's no risk involved in a conversation with God. We think there is, but there's not. Because all that we're going to be met with is love, acceptance, forgiveness, joy, hope, you know, all those good things we want. That's what happens when we have that conversation with God. See, Eve changed the landscape of all humanity with a conversation. That's how it started. She started a conversation, and everything after that changed. Now, I'm convinced because when we were created, we were given free will. So I'm convinced that if Eve would have done what any normal human being should have done and like cut the head off of the snake or scream for Adam, right? Um, We would still be in the same position that we're in today because eventually somebody would have made the same exact mistake because we were given free will, we're, we're, we're prone to sinful nature and ultimately what that does is it tells us that we need Jesus. We need God in our lives. That was never the plan, but that's how it happened. And so I think we would still find ourselves today, here today, but it illustrates the importance and weight of those conversations. So number two was your world can change with a conversation. Literally, the world changed with a conversation. Number three, choose wisely. We have to choose wisely. And uh, I almost didn't put this in there, but... Have you ever heard the phrase, you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose? (laughs) Heard that one? Okay. That's totally wrong. Because you could definitely pick your friend's nose. They just wouldn't be your friend very long, right? You have a choice on how you're going to act, how you're going to behave, what you're going to engage in each and every day. We have a choice. That's the point. Eve should have turned and ran when a snake of all the animals rolls up to her and starts talking, okay? Eve, something was wrong with Eve because she should have freaked out. I think I've joked before that if that was me, we would have been fine, but I would have found another way to screw it up. Eve should have turned and ran because a snake comes up to her and just starts talking, okay? We don't read in scripture that all of the animals talked, so for all we know, that was the only one. And she thought it would be a great idea just to chat it up, okay? (laughs) She did not choose wisely. That should have been the first indication of a conversation that should have been avoided. She had free will to walk away just as easy as she had the free will to stay and engage and listen to the lies that were being told to her. Think about that. She had the same free will that she could have turned and walked away, kicked him in the face, and been done with him, but the free will that she had let her stay and engage in what was going on. That conversation held some weight. We have a choice on what we can engage in. We, can, we have a choice on what we allow to entertain in our lives. And the question I have is, are we being wise in that? 
Eve speaking with the serpent wasn't the act of disobedience, right? Her talking to a snake that talked um, wasn't the act of disobedience. It's what that conversation led her to do, right? She was deceived through that conversation. She allowed that conversation to influence her in a way that made her make a decision that went directly against what God himself had told her personally, That's the danger of conversations. They may not start as something overwhelming. They may not start as something bad, but I guarantee you that an affair starts with a conversation. I guarantee you that a crime that you're committing with someone begins with a conversation. There's things in our lives that the the conversation itself isn't the issue, but it's what it leads to. There's power in those conversations. Proverbs 10.19 in the NLT, I love the way it says this, too much talk leads to sin, be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I needed to hear that. (laughs) Keep your mouth shut. The more we talk, the more we open ourselves up to say something stupid. (laughs) See, that conversation at work or at home or with your friend on the way home from work could just as easily be the beginning of something awesome and something that honors God. It could be that way just as easily as it could be the continuation of a destructive mindset or an opportunity for the enemy to gain victory in your life. Each conversation represents opportunity. Who are you letting speak into your life? What is the message that they are saying? What, what is the, the way that they're directing that conversation? And what is your response during that time? As the worship team begins to play and, and we, we kind of wrap this up, the question I want to leave you with is, what are you allowing yourself to be surrounded by each and every day? Does it honor God? Does it push you closer to him? Or is it something that would put itself between you and your creator? Are there snakes in your life that you're carrying on a conversation with? Think about that, because you might not like the answer. Are there things in your life that you entered into a conversation with, a relationship with, a thought process with, and it didn't seem like a big deal, but here pretty soon you realize that that's what stands between you and God. That's what stands between you and a right relationship with him. That's what is giving you all the guilt and the insecurity and the fear and the doubt that you're experiencing every single day. And it started with a conversation. It started with being willing to participate in that are you entertaining or giving an ear to the lies of the enemy because that's what they are they're lies every single thing the serpent said to eve was 100 percent in contradiction to what god himself had said sometimes it's hard to to feel like you can hear the voice of god but if you open up your your bible and you read the words of God, it's pretty clear when you hear the lies of the enemy because they'll go in direct opposition to the truth found in those words. And so I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge myself today. 
What conversations are in your life that should not be there, that you need to end it on, on, on Messenger or whatever it is, you click delete and it's gone. What is that conversation that you're entertaining that does not honor God? And more importantly, what is a conversation that you need to be engaged with? It could be a conversation with a friend who you know is going through a hard time and they could use some encouragement. I definitely know that our conversation that we should be engaged with is one with God each and every day. Asking him to, to be a part of our life, to, to change things in our lives that, that don't honor him. Or maybe you're here today and you haven't yet had that conversation with God. You've, you've never asked God to be part of your life. You've never asked God to take everything you have, your pain, your hurt, your unforgiveness, your bitterness. Maybe you don't even realize that that's what he wants. He wants to take those things from you today. So I think it's fair to say that each and every one of us here today in the sanctuary, in the hub, cafe, wherever you are, we have a conversation that could use some work. The work could be taking taking it out or the work could be putting it in. And so I want to challenge you. We're going to close here in prayer. And I want to pray for you because conversations, they can get away from you pretty quick if you don't keep an eye on them. And so I want you to feel supported. Um, I'm just going to invite you to, to bow your heads with me here just for a moment as we conclude in prayer. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Ben, there is a conversation in my life that I need to put an end to. I need to, I need to stomp it out. I need to get rid of it. I need to delete it. Whatever that is, if there's, if there, if there's one of those situations in your life right now, I just, I just want to invite you just to slowly raise your hand up. I want to pray for you in just a moment. So if you have one of those, I just want you to just slip, slip your hand up. Something that you need, to, you need to get rid of. You need to, you realize it's not honoring God. It's not pushing you closer to him. Thank you. Yeah, you, can, you can put them down. If you're here today, I, I, I can't miss an opportunity. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor Ben, I've never had that conversation with God. I've never asked God to be a part of my life. But you know what, today I want to I wanna do that. I want to ask him to be part of my life. If that's you today and you've never made that choice before, again, I would just ask you to slip your hand up, look at me, because I want to pray for you as well in just a moment. Thank you, God. Heavenly Father, God, you see us. You know us. You know what we say before we even think it. You know what we're experiencing. God, you know the areas of our life that are coming between us and you. God, you know that those conversations, those, those snakes that we've been listening to, the lies of the enemy that we've bought into, even though they, they talk exactly against your word. And Father, I pray right now for each and every one of those people who raised their hand and maybe someone who didn't raise their hand this morning and they, and they have something that they're not ready to give up, God. I pray that they would, they would feel your peace. God, that they would feel your forgiveness. Lord, we celebrated communion. You, you forgive us when we ask for forgiveness. And God, you want to restore us back to a, a relationship with you. And Father, for, for those who uh, maybe are here today and they've never began that conversation with you, I pray right now that they would feel your Holy Spirit, that they would sense a peace around them. And God, that they would open themselves up 
Whether it's right here, whether it's at home, whether it's uh, next, next week at work, just opening their mouth and asking you to be a part of their life. That's all it takes. God, I thank you that there's weight in our conversations because through that weight, we can push people closer to you. We can bring people along. We can build people up. We can be the church. We can be an example of you. But God, I also ask that you would protect us. Protect us from those, those lies of the enemy. Protect us from those conversations that want to insert themselves in between us and you. Father, I pray that you would guard our hearts, guard our minds as we go through life and we experience these crucial conversations. Father, I thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.